0: Hello, Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Rev your engines, or whatever, for uh, another episode where Ryan Explains, where he explains Sons of Anarchy to me. That's the the motorbike show. Now you get the rev your engines bit. Ha ha. Ha ha. I don't know anything about this show. Or bikes, But Ryan's going to explain it to me. And to you. For those of you listening at home... Uh, he's going to give a rough pitch of the show, uh, try to give it his best take, try to convince me why it's good, or convince you why it's good. Or if you've already seen the show, you're just here to judge him uh, ruthlessly. Leave your thoughts in the comments below. How do you do? Uh, so getting into our close-up now, let's, uh,
1: let's hear it. Well... Sons of Anarchy is about this little motorcycle club in the made-up town of Charming, California. It is a drama-slash-somewhat-dark-comedy television series, but there's not that much comedy. It's just really smart writing. Um, It's about this biker gang that are basically gun traffickers for the IRA to uh, Northern California. They deal in uh, weapons to different gang members or... Um, different motorcycle groups, um, motorcycle clubs is really the name, but, and MC is the short form, so I'll use MC throughout, but it's basically about the internal conflict of the MC, Sons of Anarchy. Um, the main one's called Sam Crow, that's Sons of Anarchy, Motorcycle Club, Redwood Original, um, and it stars Charlie Hunnam, Katie Seagal, and, uh, Ron Perlman, <clears throat> Ron Perlman is the president of the Motorcycle Club. Uh, Charlie Hunnam is uh, <clears throat> is the vice president and is the stepson of Ron Perlman, who plays Clay Morrow. Charlie Hunnam plays Jax Teller. And the matriarch of the entire group is Gemma Teller, played by Kay Seagal. She's not really a part of the club, but she's more so a part of the sort of social gathering of the Motorcycle Club. Um, She is, you know, the mother to basically everybody in the club. She's the top dog. Um, And basically the story is just the internal conflict. It's just, it's a modern telling, retelling of Hamlet um, that Kurt Sutter has written into uh, this little town in Northern Cali. They go through different conflicts, internal struggles, but also outside dealing with their rival MC in the first season, which is the Mayans which is the Mexican Motorcycle Club. And um, we follow Jack Stella, who is the main character, as in the first episode he discovers this, um, this sort of autobiographical book by his biological father about uh, life and death of Sam Crow. And he starts reading, um, he calls it a manuscript, sorry, that's what it is. starts reading this manuscript and tells all the wishes that the father wanted for the motorcycle club and how they've kind of deviated away from that. And you see Jack's trying to sort of take the reins and move that motorcycle club into the direction his father wanted away from guns, away from crime and be more legitimate. But Clay Morrow, Ron Pullman, doesn't want that at all. He he wants to stick with guns because that's money. He's got the IRA connections. He's top dog. He doesn't like being, he doesn't like being, uh, challenged this way, or at least not yet. I mean, he's dealing with arthritis in his older age. Um, he's probably got one or two more years as president, but he's not ready to, you know, to give up the, the top dog spot just yet. Um, for personal reasons, but also he doesn't think Jax is ready. He's a bit too young, he's too ambitious. Um, But more of the internal conflict stuff besides those two is um, Tara Knowles comes back into town, Jax's old high school sweetheart, she's a nurse, and um, you see them kind of regaining their, uh, chemistry and their relationship back, um, but things get complicated because Jax has a wife named Wendy, or ex-wife, who is pregnant, but she's also a drug addict, so that caused a premature, um, birth, and the baby is really small. It's very tiny. Um, he's stuck in sort of this coffin-like thing to help breathe and uh, help him breathe oxygen. It's pretty traumatic for first episode.
0: Iron lung kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Iron lung kind of thing. Yep. And, um, the ex-wife is played brilliantly by Andrea De Matteo of, uh, good, um, sopranos. <laughs> sopranos fame. And, uh, so there's that little love triangle as well throughout the first season and throughout the whole show. Then you also have Ryan Hurst come in open Opie Winston, who is, Jax Teller's best friend, he just went, came back from jail after doing a stint for five years after um doing something for the club, but he got caught, so now he has conflict if he wants to stay in the club or not, and his wife is trying to get him out of it while Jax is telling him to stay because it's something they've dreamed about since they were kids, and the show went on for about seven seasons, and with each new season, there's almost a new conflict each time. it's There is very much a sort of villain each season like a new one each season but there is there is overarching villains as well there's some villains that stay for like 3 seasons there's some that stay only 2 some only stay for 1 um but really the main conflict most of the time is between Jax and Clay and it's just great television drama it's well written um there's and the conflicts between the actual physical conflicts between the MCs and the rival gains, like there's the one-niners, which is a predominantly uh, predominantly black group. There's the Mayans MC, uh, the Mexicans. There's neo-Nazi groups that they fight against as well, basically to sort of try their, and they try to fight off these gangs mostly to keep drugs away from Charming. They don't like drugs being dealt in Charming, and that's what the neo-Nazi group tries to do because that's how they make money, but Clay doesn't like that because he thinks uh, drugs is bad um, for the town which is ironic because he's selling like very high powerful weapons to different game members as well Um, so yeah that's basically it uh, there's so many great actors on the show there's Theo Rossi, um, Mark Bone Jr Tommy Flanagan uh, I've already named a few before Um, then there's Jimmy Smits comes in later on and sort of plays a new father figure role to Jax Teller um, he plays Nero, excuse me, he plays Nero um, Taylor, uh, Taylor, excuse me, Taylor Sheridan, who very famously has made Yellowstone and so many other projects over on Paramount. Um, also Sicario, he's a very famous writer now, was, uh, an actor on this show for the first three seasons. And just, you kind of, it's, it's funny to see that there's also Walton Goggins, Peter Weller shows up later on, um, RoboCop. So it's just a great drama show that's pretty grounded in reality, as grounded as you can with an MC group running this small town of Charming. Um, there's only like a few thousand people. It's a very small town, so everybody knows everything about each other. Um, and they're, that's basically what they try to do. They try to make sure that Charming stays a small town so they don't get you know the big county sheriffs involved or running that town because it's just going to be harder for them to make business. And uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Okay,
0: I realize that up front we usually say how much of a chance I'm willing to give the show before going in, or whether I would watch it or not. Uh, this is one that Ryan's talked up so many times over the years that it is on my list as of right now. So this is really more of a Will he make me move it up any high any faster than I normally would watch it because um, I do plan on watching it so yeah it's a will I move it up and uh, will you watch it I suppose is the question uh, speaking of questions let's get into some of mine here um so first up is this show? More to turn bike enthusiasts into fans of well written drama or to turn drama fans into bike enthusiasts? And how well does it succeed at either, in your opinion?
1: I mean, kind of both, but I think it's more just to show like a little bit of bike culture. I think this is the most extreme it could be. Obviously, there is a lot of biker gangs in the United States and this is probably like a quick peek into some of those biker gain stuff. And yeah, there is a little bit of, you know, biker talk within it. And, you know, their legal job as the MC is their mechanics, they work outside of their garage where they fix cars and stuff. But there's not a lot of, like, I wouldn't say I'm a bike expert now because I watch Sons of Anarchy. Like I don't I still don't know anything, but there is a little bit of like hints of bike culture in there just to get people who love bikes into the show. And um, but also there's like the drama aspect as well, where it lets them stay, like keeps them staying watching. And then the opposite as well, like you're going in to watch this amazing show and then I came out of it and was like, hmm, I want to get my motorcycle license because I think it'd be really cool. I've been repeatedly told I'm not allowed to. Uh, but other than that. Who's telling it's, you? It's uh, my family. Uh, <laughs> my 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 grandma has physically threatened me. If I get my motorcycle <laughs> license, I will not be allowed to do it. And I listen. Um, but other than that. Yeah, it's it's basically sort of like. They intermingle. Really well, but it's more so focused on th- the overall plot than the actual motorcycle culture there, I wanna say. It, I, I mean like you're you're there, it's the setting of the show, but it's not like in every sentence there's like a someone mentions Motorbike. a bike or an engine. Yeah. It's it's just part of their culture. And you're just you enjoy every minute of it. I see. You answered
0: a little bit of this. Next question and your last answer here. Um, I was just wondering, based on what you said here about Jax wants to turn the biker gang more legitimate, get out of crime. What does a legitimate biker gang look like? What's a motorcycle club do what what would a uh, if, well, if crime's not yeah. their method of operation what what would a a fully legal motorcycle club look like so
1: there's different ways that they try to go more legitimate. Jax does start it's pretty fun there is a bit of sexual content in this show um, Jax does get involved with a member's uh wife not like that but a partnership with her porn studio. And that's a legitimate business in California. Again, they're mechanics. So he's trying to steer more away from the crime aspect of the motorcycle club because, you know, he's been arrested. He's been in jail. Multiple members have been in jail, killed, shot at. So he wants to he's his father's son. He wants to steer clear of that, especially after watching or uh, reading the manuscript, uh, because he just realizes how much violence is. In their world. And he's trying his best to steer away from that. There's multiple times he's tried to... um, Throughout the entire series... To jumpstart a legitimate business. And then just tragedy strikes. Whenever... A few months later... That drives him back into violence. And it's just this cycle of violence and vengeance... That he finds himself in that he can't get out of. Where he'll try to start something. And then... He will do something or... Uh, like another character will do something that involuntarily brings down that business that he tries to start up. So it's just a, an awful cycle of violence and vengeance. But that's basically what they he's trying to do, is just to get him more legitimate businesses. Still a little bit, you know, sketchy at some parts, but hey, that's just, their are they that are like, hey, it's legit, it's legal in the eyes of the law, so why don't we try to do it? Hmm. You say he
0: can't get out of the cycle of violence. Is it more a matter of can't or won't?
1: Well, it's weird because like he says he can't. And that's really the main question of Jax's character because throughout the whole show, you see him trying to back away from the club, but just events transpire. That keeps pulling him in more. And he feels there's an obligation to finish the fight or finish... His job as the, you know, the vice president, as the son of one of the founding members of the club to protect this club because he legitimately loves it. He doesn't want to see it go away. He doesn't want to see it burnt down or everybody get arrested. He cares about this club. It's basically his family. So there are some parts where he could have just simply walked away or he could have, you know, worked with the feds and got everybody off and he could have walked away with Tara. But he, he doesn't. He legitimately, and that's what ultimately keeps him in this cycle is because he cares too much about this club to see it either burn down or get destroyed because it's part of his life. It's been part of his life, his entire life. He grew up in this culture. He grew up around these people. So there he feels an obligation to protect this club, with as much as he can. Um, so that is basically the ultimate, like, character question. Can he do it, or just will he won't? And most of the time it's just he can't, but there's a huge, uh... There's great, like, factors into and examples of him just saying that he won't leave for personal reasons.
0: Okay. So... Do the actors in this show actually ride the bikes or is it stunt doubles? Mostly they all
1: ride the bikes. Yeah. Cool. It's all pretty legit. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Do you ever, or you meaning you or the audience or our audience, um, ever feel especially uneasy rooting for morally reprehensible people? You're mostly focusing on um, this on these criminal gang members. Is it
1: uh Well, it's weird because like if you met these people in real life, they would be the worst people you've ever met in your life. But somehow the show finds antagonists that are way worse in terms of moral just morality. That was even my next with question. the federal even with the federal government. There's this one ATF agent, Agent Stahl, who Morally just makes decisions that ultimately get people hurt or even killed. And it just makes you hate that person and makes you hate that government even more so. Um, And then later on, when there are other federal agencies trying to get Sam Crow and trying to, you know, get them for, you know, selling guns and doing illegal things, they have these, like, certain characters that are... Um, willing to go dirty in order to catch them. And the way they do it is, is doesn't sit right with you because you've stuck with these characters. It's kind of like Stockholm syndrome in a way, but in a good way where, yeah, you see the bad things and, um, in what they're doing, but they are the lesser evil in this world. So, and all the actors are, you know, awesome. So they're all, they're all very lovable in their own way. Yeah, that was,
0: Basically, my next question here was, are the bad guys written to be ridiculously bad so the good guys won't look quite as bad as they are?
1: Um, Is it... Who's texting me? Um, There's only, like, one villain, I will say, who is, like, super evil, and that's in season two. And that's Ethan Sobel, but he's, like... He's a neo-Nazi who... Like hates Enough every said. game that ever is, um, and but he play he's like a suit at the same time, so he doesn't get anything his like his own hands dirty. He hires other people to do it, but even then he's still grounded in like that rich guy reality where it's like I'll just kill you with money. Uh, but the other ones are they're not like overwhelmingly evil. Even you know there's some there's some antagonists in season one that later on become allies in the later seasons as well there's they have their own overarching arc as well so there's not very much like a super villain like ha ha -ha laughing at people um there's like one character that goes after terror in season one but that's just because he's legitimately a stalker and they're just playing up that stalker aspect but yeah i wouldn't say there's like a villain that's overwhelmingly written just to be evil um, besides Ethan Zobel. But that's just because I don't think you can find any light in neo-Nazis. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, Yeah, there's, there's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of these guys are, the people they go up against are smart, violent, but try to put on this facade of that they're, Because everybody thinks they're the good guys. Everybody thinks they're smarter than everybody else. And it's just a huge game of chess and finding out who is actually playing chess. And are the other people just playing checkers? All right. So
0: who is, in your opinion, the best all-around performer on the series?
1: Oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. There's so many great characters. Um, this show probably character, has some of the or the best. Both. This uh, show probably has some of the best side characters. I mean, Ryan Hurst Opie is really awesome. Um, Kim Coates as Tig is the best. Mark Bone as... uh Jr. as Bobby is awesome. I would have to say best performance has to probably be Katie Seagal as Gemma Teller. She's just probably the best written... Female character that I've seen. She's kind of the same as. um, uh, She's like an earlier version of Beth from Yellowstone. Where she takes no shit. She'll call it like it is. She has some of the best disses ever. On any show. Whatsoever. I mean. She's prayed brilliantly by Katie Seagal. She's probably the best female performer. On television I've seen in a while. She steals every scene she's in. I mean. And it's like that's tough to say like she's beaten out Charlie Hunnam and Ron, Ron Pullman for me, who is arguably the two main characters and, and like she's she's amazing And just the way she's able to control Jax's emotions and sort of manipulate Clay into her way of thinking because it was her original husband who started the club with Clay and then there's a whole mystery of well how did. Gemma get with Clay and how did the father died. And it was the way her mind works. She's able to she is able to manipulate people to get her way a lot. And her beef with terror is um who is Jax's uh, high school sweetheart is fun as well because she's almost trying to be not trying to but almost is on the come up of also being the new uh, queen of the MC and she still holds grudges because it's his baby boy and she's very she's very mommy dearest in that sort of way she's she can't let go of grudges but she's she's got the best lines she's got the best scenes probably because her husband is the writer of the show Kurt Sutter but uh um, yeah of all by far is the most fun to watch all
0: right and going off of that, what is the what what do the um, this motorcycle club generally think about women are they are women allowed in the club is it is it a boys club or is it mostly like her just because she's?
1: It's very much she's she's good at playing
0: the manipulation game and she kind of married into the family.
1: Well, it's very much a boys club. Girls are treated as um, sort of not people (laughs) (laughs) like uh, just surrounding in the club. They hire a lot of I'm going to assume sex workers or people just there to hook up with members of the club. It's just that whole vibe of um, that area. Um, but Gemma is treated with more respect. If you're with one of the club members, like if you're a girlfriend or, or a wife, um, then you're treated like with respect. But if you're just like a single person around there, then basically they're up for grabs. It's very much a, you know, not a great, uh, environment for young women to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the vibe of it. There's no female members. Uh, ever? They're like nobody's putting on a a cut, which is basically just like a leather vest or a jacket with you know the Sons of Anarchy emblem on the back. Um, but yeah, if you're attached to a certain member of the club, like Tara is to Jax or Kate, um, Gemma is to um Clay, then you're pretty much treated with respect. Especially if it's Gemma who is the queen of of the whole group, because if you piss off the president's wife then you're probably going to get shot in the head. So
0: makes sense. Makes sense. Do the sons of anarchy really believe in anarchy or is it just a cool name? Is that Um, an ideal for them or just kind of like there's
1: sometimes in like the clubhouse and in their office, Mm. they have like, they have different memorabilia of anarchy um, like, symbolism, but they're, they're not, like, for going down the street. And, I mean, they do, like, yeah, they, they, they're not, like, doing anarchist things every day, but if they need to shoot up a store or if they need to, you know, shoot up another clubhouse or steal something, then they're all doing it in the name of anarchy. So it is an ideal of theirs, and I think the name just stuck, so...
0: Well, I suppose if they have a leader, per se, they're not exactly anarchists. But what's the command structure of uh, of these motorcycle clubs look like? Do they just have one leader who everybody reports to, or do they have lieutenants, uh, seconds in command, anything like that? So So
1: for... I'll try to keep it simple, and then it gets a little complicated. So for one club... There is uh, the president, there is a vice president, and then there is a sergeant at arms. So basically the president, he has the gavel, right? Everybody's yearning for the gavel. Um, It's absolute power. He calls in meetings and at the end of the meeting he'll, you know, hit the gavel on the table. Um, The vice president is basically also there to just kind of be the left-hand, uh, the right-hand man, but sits on the left side of the table with with the president and is basically the number one trusted person in that group for the president. But the sergeant-at-arms is the guy that the president can go to. He, he sits on the right of the president. That's the right-hand man. He's the one he can go to if he needs something done, if it's, you know, if it's... Um, Killing somebody, if it's stealing something, if it's teaching a lesson, he's the guy he goes to, trusts the most, and then usually the rest of the table is just filled with um. There's there's other than that, it's just other members of the group. There's different titles you can get, but it's not like a ranking thing. Like um, you can earn the title of Men of Mayhem, which is basically you've killed for the club or you've sacrificed yourself and lost something for the club, and you earn that title to put on your cut. Um, and then usually the oldest member or a, um, a veteran of the club will sit at the very end of the table, opposite to the president, sort of like a respect thing. And then, so the Sam Crow is the main club of the Sons of Anarchy, but there's different factions all across California. There's one in Southern California. There's one, I think in New Mexico or Albuquerque. I'm not too sure, but all those presidents sort of report to the main one, or whatever happens in Sam Crow happens in those other uh, factions as well, uh, because they're the staple, they're the main, you know, area, they're the founding members, um, except there's, you know, there's one episode arc where a new faction is trying to, they find out they're doing something, uh, they're dealing drugs to earn more money, and there's a bit of conflict there, it's a very interesting episode. But yeah, that's basically the power structure of a uh, motorcycle club. It's very simple, um, with but can get kind of complicated uh, with the top three guys. When in terms of who do you trust more, your vice president or your sergeant at arms? And uh, yeah, that's basically it.
0: Do motorcycle clubs generally consider this show a respectful and/or accurate depiction of their lifestyles?
1: Oh yeah, there's this show's gotten a lot of praise from a lot of motorcycle uh, like real life Hell's Angel members. I there's been a few Hell's uh, Hell's Angel members in the show um that've played big characters. Um Happy is is a character and also Rain Quinn who um those are the uh character names. but uh, real life Rusty Coons and David uh Labrava. They apparently were in the Hell's Angels and it gets a lot of love from those communities. So I assume they're mostly accurate, but of course it's a drama. So there's going to be some dramatization. Like I'm pretty sure they're not getting a shootout every other week. No, but uh,
0: no, it's uh, it's pretty cool though. It's got a seal of approval. So I think you did mention before about um, the Mayans motorcycle club. I know there's a show called, Mayans MC. Is that a spinoff of Sons of Anarchy or somehow unrelated?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a sequel uh, series after, um, s- takes place after the events of Sons of Anarchy. Is that any good? Haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I've heard decent things, but I've also heard it's like it's not as good of Sons of Anarchy.
0: Does it follow, as far as you know, any characters from Sons of Anarchy or is it just a different club all new people
1: um i've from like a little bit of research it follows the mayans um mc after the events of sons of anarchy um and i i don't know if it follows the main mayan motorcycle club or if it follows a different one um and you've there's a new protagonist in that like brand new for the show and then certain members from the Sons of Anarchy show will pop in for a cameo here or there. Okay. What do you believe
0: is the best and worst thing about Sons of Anarchy?
1: Ooh, we're going to make me say the worst thing. Well, the best by far is the characters. I mean, every character is written perfectly. No character is written to like, made terrible, like, just purely terrible and awful all the time. I mean, you could make a case for Wendy, Jax's ex-wife, who, again, and the first time we see her, she's doing drugs while she's pregnant, but she's an addict, right? So you have to write that in a way, and she comes in later on, uh, throughout the show and sticks around for a while, um, Well, throughout the whole show, not for a while, excuse me. She pops in here or there. And each character is treated as smart, but not in in their own way. Like, not every single character is the smartest character in the show, but they're each one treated with respect. Um, I think a big thing about the show, too, is representation. I mean, there is a, before it was even a big thing, there is a character, Walter Goggins, play Venus Van Damme, who is a, transgender female and sort of has and has this relationship with Tig played by Kim Coates and it's just a night there's a nice scene at the final season where they he um she sort of uh like breaks to him how he feels about how she feels about being transgender and uh, why she made these decisions and it's just at, at first it was sort of like um Vin, uh, Vincent Van Damme's first scene was kind of played for last, but Walton Goggins is such a great actor that they brought um, uh, him back to do that character more because I think people like that character and she's, she's a great character to have. Um, the worst Sounds thing. Like powerful stuff. Yeah. It's pretty, it's great writing. It's f- amazing dialogue too. There's so many amazing scenes. Um, the worst thing. Some of the deaths are pretty violent, pretty traumatizing. That's about it. Like I can't Plastopus like
0: part two traumatizing. Uh,
1: no, that just makes me angry. Um, I mean, the deaths sons of in Van- that game were pretty violent. Yeah, but I didn't care. Those are, there were, those were nobodies, uh, besides main characters. Um, sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Like there's some stuff that can just be overly violent and a little bit scarring. Um, you do see a certain character just burnt to death, oh, which is pretty wild. You see a very beloved character get beaten to death. Yeah, it's just it can be a very violent show at times, which is not for everybody. Um, sort of on par with Game of Thrones, but also not at the same time. Um, that's really it. I can't think of anything really negative about it besides besides one that's like a spoiler. But other than that, like there's like a certain character shift that makes you like, why the fuck are you doing this? But also you have to kind of look at it from their perspective. So other than that, nothing too negative.
0: All right. That's that's pretty good praise there. Um, I'm pretty interested in the fact that you said it's a uh, motorcycle club retelling of Hamlet just that idea is intriguing to me Any more to elaborate on that or.
1: Yeah. Well, there's this whole, um, so Clay Morrow is the stepfather of Jack's and, um, Jack slowly, uh, realizes throughout the show of how his father died. His father died in a motorcycle accident. He was on the freeway and a transport truck ran into his motorcycle. And there's little details throughout the show. Like, was it an accident? Did someone sabotage his bike? Did he do it on purpose? Did he commit suicide? And if Jacks flip-flops between opinions throughout here and there, and then it's very heavily, um, it's it's basically, I'll I'll just say it because it's part of season one. It's it's very heavily um, known that Clay and Gemma had something to do with, um. JT, who is the is the father of Jax, John Teller, um, some of the due of his death. So there, that's where the Hamlet aspect comes into play. Mm. And um, the full realization of that doesn't happen until like season four, but the rivalry between Jax and Clay really starts to, it starts to ramp up from like episode one when he finds JT's manuscript because it tells, it's sort of showing what he wanted the MC to be where Clay just wanted it to stick with the violence, stick with the IRA, stick with the gun running because that's where all the money's coming from. That's all he's known, and um, yeah, that's that's basically the the whole Hamlet thing is you know the stepfather versus the stepson and the the mother who's the queen you know sort of manipulating Jax into staying with Clay because he does she does love him but also loves his son at the same time. So it's a it's an interesting conflict.
0: And does Jax have a Freudian complex?
1: Um, you got to be more specific. Oedip, sorry, Oedipus complex. No. 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 No, 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 no. He does not try to sleep with his mother. There was He's a great a- love between Gemma and Jax, but uh, there was no uh, no sexual encounter between the two. All right. All right. So it's not, uh,
0: I remember that was a bit of a thing in Hamlet. He had a bit of a thing yeah. for his mother.
1: Shakespeare's a freak.
0: Yeah. Get my mother out of the get my father out of the way and all. Alright. So I don't think I've got any more questions here. Uh well, I longtime listeners know I watch I watch my share of soap operas. This this basically sounds like a soap opera to me. Um, that, that, that's a good thing. (laughs) Uh, avid people who, uh, avid haters of soap operas who use the term like a bad thing. Um, you'll either maybe not want to watch that show, me saying that, or you'll rail against me if you do like the show, but it, it sounds like that kind of melodrama, um, with a higher budget. And that's that sounds perfectly all right in my books. Um, I like my share of melodrama. Uh, good actors—that's selling. That's uh, not necessarily a big deal for me having name actors. I prefer to be sold on what I see rather than what I expect. But knowing there's some good talents behind the scenes, that yeah, that's that's good. Um, I don't really remember anything there. Uh, I did attend the uh, Sons of Anarchy panel at Fan Expo once. Um, I don't remember anything they said at the time. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish I knew more about the show so I could appreciate that more. We, we went because you're such a big fan. Uh, and it was it was a fun panel, but I liked all the guys on stage. So I having seen them live, I have a little bit of a connection. Um. yeah Uh. let's see what else did you say here I kind of like the idea that the town's so small they don't even have county sheriffs in, in the place they yeah they have are trying own, to keep um, them they're trying to keep off their the radar
1: department mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's a pretty cool angle Um, uh, they don't want to be known enough for police to find them uh, let's see. Well, that's
1: also a funny thing too, because the main sheriff for the longest time, um, he uh, Wayne Unser, who grew up with Gemma, and he sort of kind of turns his, you know, turns away from the the son's uh, wrongdoings from time to time, but um, his deputy, who is Tyler Sheridan, or um, it's weird, whatever. Anyway, uh, he is like next in line to be sheriff and he's trying to bring them down and his, you know, hatred for their violence and their, you know, wrongdoings is kind of what holding them back at the same time because he's, there's some parts where he is in the right and trying to take them down, but there's other parts where he's going too far and too blood hungry to catch them. So there's, there's that drama as well. Um, and then, but then you see Wayne uh, Unser, who is the sheriff, like he's old. he's you know dying of cancer and he, he's in basically in love with Gemma, trying to protect her at all costs and has this connection to the sons he feels like is his second family at the same time. It's basically his only family that he knows. and throughout the show you see his conflict of you know protecting sons and then honoring the badger they swore upon you know, years ago. So, there's that aspect as well.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of this pretty close knit town where everybody knows each other. Uh, they're all keeping each other's secrets or waiting to exploit them, where everyone's got their own ambitions and maybe are competing against each other. Um, I like you said, a lot of the conflict is internal. With the biker gang, it's not a more obvious story of, okay, a rival biker gang in town and we got to defeat them. And even though that's a big part of it, you seem to insinuate that the main idea is between Jax and Clay. So I I like that the problem is more internal. That sounds more immediately interesting to me than just another okay, we're going to beat our rivals gangster kind of story. So, yeah. Um, I, I like the sound of it, for sure. Um, it's, I don't think it's going way higher on my list, but I think it's it's not, it's gone up a few notches, <laughs> I think, based on your description here. Uh, I'll probably get to it sooner. Yay. Um, and of course, when I do finally get through the whole thing, we will do an episode on it. Definitely. And uh, give you a full spoiler discussion of everything Ryan's been dying to tell me today and for a couple years, probably. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's a fun our show.
1: There's also like fun little facts I like about the show as well, just to draw the time here. Or the reason why this club is formed is because they all fought and or the main uh, like original nine. Some of the the veterans of the group, like the founding members, they have the patch original nine, nine founding members. J.T. Ward, Clay wears it. Um, Opie's dad, Piney Winston, wears it as well. They all fought in Vietnam together, along with some people from Ireland. So there's another faction in Ireland all the way uh, across the river. It's just a saying it's not an actual river. <coughs> um, And there's a part of season three where they actually go to Ireland because they're looking for a certain someone. I don't want to spoil who it is because it's such a shocker at the end of season two. <coughs> Excuse me, Christ. Um, And basically that's where the whole IRA thing comes along and why they're, you know, running guns for the IRA. They're the um, that's where the connection comes from. So there's hmm. that little fact. And also, um, the fun thing they do at the end of each episode, and I don't know, they, these guys aren't the originators of it, but I think they're the best of it, is that they do, they do a lot of covers of original songs and put them at the end of their episodes, kind of oh, like yeah. you know how shows do. They play a song, the yeah, end and yeah. they do like a highlight of what everybody's doing at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, the wildest yeah. one they did was Bohemian Rhapsody, but it sounds pretty good. It's a lot of like Western country covers as well, but they do have a lot of originals as well. Um, and a lot of them are performed by Katie Seagal as well. So is that it's a because good they,
0: Is that because they really wanted to put a spin, an original spin on them, or because they couldn't afford the rights to uh, no uh, a song? A I think TV it just budget? fit
1: I think it just fitted the show more and just the overall tone that they do the covers in. Um, I mean, they do a cover of uh, House of the Rising Sun at the end of season four, and yeah. their take on that song just fit. It doesn't change too much, but just fits more within the sort of Wild West theme of, you know, California and the gang life of it. And so it's more so not of like a rights issue, but more of just like, what if we made it into our style? And I'd say it works but um, like nine out of 10 times. I don't think I've heard a song that I thought it was weird getting past Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not going to lie. Cause Queen's one of my favorite bands. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting, but yeah, it's still a decent song.
0: The more you're attached to certain versions of songs, the harder it is to accept covers.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: That's why a lot of cover artists don't bother with the biggest ones.
1: The, the ones like Bohemian Rhapsody that everybody just knows. Yeah, it was interesting. But that was like at the last season. So they were like, fuck it, let's do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, that's, uh, Another... that's Ryan explaining Sons of Anarchy. I, I hope you guys got something out of it. I sure learned a lot. Uh, do we have a question of the week to end off?
1: Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I couldn't think I, of one. I mean, you already kind of talked it was, about it. I kind of wanted, but it was a joke one. It was like, how disrespectful is the new Justice League game <laughs> in terms of the whole Arkham universe? That was on a scale of one to ten.
0: <laughs> I haven't played it, but based on the news I've heard, pretty disrespectful. I'm yeah, not going to spoil great. it for anybody, but um, yeah, I think that well, maybe the internet it already a general... has so. <laughs> Yeah, I think it merits a general discussion maybe here on uh, disrespect and legacy characters. Um, I think you can basically do anything you want in a story, and that should be okay. If it's executed well enough, believably enough, based on the characters as we know them, When you're just writing things to happen because some writer came up with an idea and they really got to force it, that's when you start running into problems as an audience member. You have to believe a scenario can play out even in a fantastical world like DC Comics or Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. Okay, that whole just the setup for all of this is bonkers to start, but you got to believe how they do it or, and why even more importantly, it's, um, the way they did it is also the, the main problem here. Um, it's just so nonchalantly, some of them even being mocked before their deaths as well. Um, which as a uh, as a fan of some of these characters most of them rubs me the wrong way especially what i've heard about captain boomerang because in my mind you know like in that case i've always known the flash and his and the rogues to have uh, a bit of a mutual respect yeah they're he's the hero they're criminals but they live by a code of honor and they respect each other and kind of have this sometimes playful relationship even of a, yeah, you're the hero, we're the villains, we're going to do what we're going to do, but, you know, we're going to try to avoid you, we're going to mess you up at every opportunity, but at the end of the day, we're kind of just doing our things here, and we, we both acknowledge that, and that's how the relationship's usually played out. Uh, I've heard it's more aggressive and and just, well, just disrespectful is the word that keeps getting thrown out, but, yeah... Sounds like they wrote out of character decisions just to push the agenda they were going towards, which was, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, but we're not going to give you a good reason
1: why or how? Yeah, it's like, I do agree. You're like, I get you're a writer, you're allowed to write anything you want, but when you're saying that your story comes from a pre existing universe where it's already. Like set its own ground rules and what is possible or not and like when you say Arkham Bat like this is the Arkhamverse and the Arkham Batman that you're portraying in this is far less powerful than he was in the Arkham games with lesser gadgets or lesser skill like in those Arkham games Batman has fought the Joker multiple times joker on titan formula bane killer croc deathstroke he's shot deadshot or no sorry not shot deadshot but he's fought deadshot before who's a different character model because they recently in the new 52 they switched floyd or they switched deadshot's race and made him look more like will smith or something because deadshot used to be this white guy but the writers like no that was a fake so we're now supposed to believe when playing those Arkham games now that that Floyd that Deadshot is a fake Deadshot now. I see. Which is just retconning and is just kind of pissing on writers of the past.
0: So there's is there's it the that same stuff universe when or is it not? Just keep be consistent. Well, that's I, what I they care. say.
1: They like they say it's yeah. the same universe. That's what they say, but it's like you, when you but say they... that. You but c- you're not writing uh, properly to make us believe that is the same universe. You're throwing inconsistencies in there. And you're retconning, which makes me believe yeah. you're a bad writer. I'm sorry, but you're just saying it so you can have more people play this game. And that's not how you do things.
0: Yeah, there's there's this even- whole
1: compilation I saw on like... Again, it's TikTok too, but there was a lot of phase four Marvel writers. There's a compilation of them being like, I never read the comic, or i have never I wasn't a fan of the comics. I'm like, this is the problem, is you're taking pre existing universes or pre existing stories and writing your own twist on it just because just cause you feel like it or you want to stand out, which is fine. But you have to set the following precedent and the following rules that were set before you came along. Otherwise, you're just shitting on it. Yeah.
0: I don't have a problem with controversy. Kill the Justice League all day long, sure. I Fine, that could be an interesting story. But once again, for me, it's about... it's It's just about the story. Do I buy it? Is it interesting to follow through? In this case, it just sounds disheartening. And upsetting. And not that enjoyable to play through. Not very rewarding to spend my time on as a story. What's it really showing except, okay, here's a group of smarmy badasses murdering all my childhood heroes without really much redeeming besides it. Did the Suicide Squad get developed? Is great characters in their own right do they feel bad about any of this Does't sound like have any kind of regrets or you know upset at the way they're being used probably by Amanda Waller um the suicide squad's a very interesting concept just in general but it sounds like this story missed a lot of potential. I think the premise is okay on paper. Sure. World's greatest heroes go bad. You need somebody who can take them out. Amanda Waller is one of the first people who'd want to take them out. And she just happens to have her own team of people with special abilities who might be able to do that. If they plan well enough. Maybe. She's got her own task force. And they're the only ones who can maybe pull it off. I get it. It's a it's a cool it's a what if scenario. It's the same reason I don't begrudge Marvel's what if for trying new things. Go for it. Tell the story you want to tell. Just make it a good story. There are certain universal components in every story that I can say yeah, that was that was well done or that wasn't. I don't care what you do though. Can you convince me? That's all. Yeah. I'm open no, for just about anything.
1: <laughs> it's, I hear what you're saying, but, like, oh, I'm open for anything, but as long as it, like, makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, what is the goal you're trying to achieve here? Like, with okay, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Okay, what's the goal here? What's the goal to be, like, we just want to make this fun game that's about the Suicide Squad? And what it be a funny what if? Or are we are we even like trying to make it like it looks like fun, I, I guess, from like a gameplay aspect, but also there's just like when you're just kind of in a way character assassinating these somewhat known like over 80 years characters and just kind of making them look silly in some aspects. It kind of makes me not care about your reasoning for making the game, or even, like, your goal here. Like, I, I understand what the goal is to make a fun game, but then when you're shitting on characters that are so beloved and of the past, you're kind of just like, okay, we see where your ideas lie, and we see where you're, you know, that you really don't care that much. And that's really what pissed me off about stuff like that, or... Other adaptations or sequels that don't really treat characters of the past with respect because this is what got you here. This is like without those characters, you would never be able to make this game. And the fact you like shit on these characters just kind of because there's no real like real way to. There was a way to do it and the way you did it sucked. So a rework could have would have been good. Here's the thing I just thought about. Suspension
0: of disbelief is usually used in terms of fantastical natures. It's, could you even believe a character like Superman exists in the first place? Just go with it, right? And if you can't, that's where you're out of the story. But I think suspension of disbelief also can and should be used in terms of adaptations. Like this. It's not a question of, do I believe in Superman? It's, can I suspend my disbelief that Superman's acting like this in this game? It's not just, it's not, can I believe a man can fly? It's, do I believe he'd act this way based on what I know about him? It's uh, it's funny, like, I've suspended my disbelief so hard that the really fantastical things aren't even the problem for me at this point. It's just an interesting psychological bit when it comes to stuff like this. I'm like, I have the same problem with the the Last Jedi, right? I'm like, oh yeah, like the the laser swords and the starships and the and uh, the galactic politics and everything crazy. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I don't care about that. I'm. I'm like that that's not the just the unbelievable part to me the unbelievable part is Luke Skywalker abandoning his whole life's work and going on an island to die. That's what I can't get past. None of the crazy stuff. It's the it's the character work. Yeah, it's the character uh, stuff, yeah. It is just funny how different franchises are different things. Some people can't get past the crazy stuff. I I'm totally fine with the crazy stuff, but when characters are inconsistent, that's what rubs me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what this game's uh, quote-unquote controversy – it's not really a controversy, but it's – that's what people can't really get past is how the characters are treated. and yes, yeah. it shows.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's this episode of Close Up. Uh, Finished now, I think. So where
1: can we find you? You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram.
0: And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the close up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time.
1: Take care. Froome. That was a bike.